Hello, and welcome to Informed Ohio. The best defense against tyranny is an informed citizenry. Here at Informed Ohio, we will be reading bills that are before the Ohio House and Senate, so Ohioans can now listen to just the bill, so you can form your own opinion and be an informed citizen. Stay focused, Ohio. HB 23 is the transportation budget for fiscal years 24 and 25. Um, I'm just going to give a quick overview of what this goes over. It starts with the Public Utilities Commission. It talks about the wayside detector systems for trains. Um, it also talks about the two-person um, freight train crews that two people need to be on board all the time. It talks about hazardous waste transportation report. Um, and railroad technology report that needs to be given to our, our uh, statesmen. It brings up the Department of Transportation, talks about the development of the Ohio Rail Development Commission, um, composition of the commission, and the passenger rail. Uh, it talks about RTA audits. It also talks about um, ODOT expense reports, ODOT design building authority, ODOT contract performance and payments of bonds, um, it talks about the inability of surety to meet obligations, talks about contract amount changes, and talks about large contracts with ODOT. Um, it talks about oversize and overweight limits and permits. It talks about the Ohio Workforce Mobility Partnership Program. They're going to do a wrong weight driving study. It talks about the strategic transportation and development analysis. It discusses commercial motor vehicle parking, indefinite delivery, indefinite quantity contracts. It then moves to the Department of Public Safety, where they talk about the pay ranges for highway patrolmen, lieutenants, and other employees. It talks about non-commercial trailer registrations. It also discusses the military license plate program, the removable windshield placard expiration program. It talks about motor vehicle certificates of title, whether you want a uh, physical or digital um, copy, and that if you do want a digital, that they cannot charge you for that anymore. Uh, or, I mean, a physical copy after you pay off your loan, they can't charge you for anymore. They talk about a daily pre-trip school bus inspections. Then they go to local government. They talk about force accounts, traffic cameras, transportation improvement districts, their agreement with the RTA in regards to this, the local government spending on this, and county cooperation on this. They did talk about the Transportation Information District Board of Trustees being set up. Um, then they go into the regional transportation improvement projects. They have they talk about needing to set up a memorandum of understanding with the Department of Transportation. Um, they talk about transportation financing districts, and then we also talk about under this is the aggregate minerals mining and zoning. Um, then we go into the Department of Taxation and the motor fuel tax allowances and refunds. It keeps that one percent, takes it down to 05 percent for the transportation of fuel. So I hope you guys enjoy. The next bill we are going to read is House Bill 23. It is the transportation um, budget. This bill is 125 pages long, I believe. So we are only going to read the analysis and the budget analysis, which is about 30 pages. So this is going to be a little bit longer just because of the type of bill it is, just to give you all a heads up, but it is very important to read. Um, we're going to start with the bill analysis. Like I said, we're just going to do that one in the fiscal analysis. This was primarily sponsored by Representative Edwards. 
Uh, the first two pages are just table of contents. So we're going to go through there. And we are going to start on page three, um, Public Utilities Commission. Now, this it was passed by the Senate um, April 3rd. So it starts with Public Utilities Commission Railroads, Wayside Detector Systems. It requires a person who receives a message regarding a defect detected by a wayside detector system to immediately notify the operator of the applicable train, rolling stock, and, or on-track equipment if the receiver of the message is not the operator. Requires the Public Utilities Commission, PUCO, and the Ohio Department of Transportation, ODOT, to work with each railroad company that does business in Ohio to ensure that the wayside detector systems, in parentheses, systems that detect and defects on moving trains, rolling stock, and on-track equipment used by those companies are operational, effective, and current. In accordance with federal regulations, requires PUCO and ODOT to investigate the safety practices of any railroad company that does not work with them in good faith related to the use of the wayside detector systems. Requires that PUCO and ODOT issue a report to the Federal Railroad Administration, FRA, recommending enforcement action against the railroad company if the results of an investigation show that the company does not appear to be in compliance with federal safety standards. Requires the PUCO and ODOT to issue a copy of that report to the governor, the Senate president, and the Speaker of the House, and the minority leaders of both the Senate and the House of Representatives. Two-person freight train crews. Requires a train or light engine used in connection with the movement of freights to have at least a two-person crew. Specifies that the two-person crew requirement is slowly related to safety. Permits the PUCO to assess a civil penalty against persons who violate the two-person crew requirement. Requires the Attorney General to bring a civil action to collect the civil penalty for violating the two-person crew requirement upon request to do so from PUCO. Provides that the above provisions no longer apply if the federal government adopts a two-person crew requirement for trains or light engines in Ohio. Hazardous Waste Transportation Report. Requires the Public Utilities Commissions of Ohio and the Ohio Environmental Protection Agency to prepare and submit a written report to the General Assembly within 90 days of the bill's effective date pertaining to the transportation of hazardous materials and hazardous waste. Wayside Detector Systems, RC 4955.50 and RC 4955.51. The bill requires Public Utilities Commission of Ohio and the Ohio Department of Transportation to work with each railroad company that does business in Ohio to ensure that their wayside detector systems are operational, effective, and current. Wayside detector systems are the electronic devices or a series of connected devices that scan passing trains, rolling stock, on-track on equipment, and their component equipment and parts for defects. Defects include hot wheel bearings, hot wheels, defective bearings, dragging equipment, excessive height or weight, shifted loads, low hoses, rail temperature, and wheel condition. Given the size and speed of trains, the wayside detector systems often are crucial for detecting and warning operators about defects that may result in an accident. 
In examining the wayside detector systems, the PUCA, ODOT, and railroads must consider all of the following. One, whether the systems are properly installed, maintained, repaired, and operational in accordance with U.S. Department of Transportation, Federal Railroad Administration, and Association of American Railroad Standards. Two, whether expired, non-working, or outdated systems or component parts are removed and replaced with new parts or an entirely new system that reflects the current best practices of industry standards. Number three, that the distance between the systems is appropriate when accounting for natural terrain, safety considerations, and sufficient response time in managing any defect alerts. And four, that each railroad company has defined written standards and training for employees relating to the systems, their defect alerts, the course of action that might that employees are required to take to respond to an alert and appropriate monitoring and responses by the company if employees fail to take the required course of action. The bill requires all wayside detector systems installed and operating in Ohio to either send their emergency alerts to the operator of the train, rolling stock, or on-track equipment, or to have the person who receives the emergency alert immediately notify the operator of their defect. The Public Utilities Commission of Ohio and ODOT must ensure the systems act accordingly as part of their consideration of wayside detector systems in Ohio. Investigation. If a railroad company refuses to work or otherwise cooperate with PUCO, Public Utilities Commission of Ohio, and ODOT, Ohio Department of Transportation, in good faith, the bill requires that PUCO and ODOT to investigate that railroad company's safety practices and standards. The investigation must be in accordance with federal regulations that authorize state investigations, 49 CFR Part 212. If the railroad company does not appear to be in compliance with the federal railroad safety laws, the PUCO and ODOT must report the noncompliance to the FRA and recommend that the FRA take enforcement action against the railroad company. The Public Utilities Commission of Ohio and Ohio Department of Transportation must send a copy of that report to the governor, the president of the Senate, the speaker of the House, and the minority leader of both the Senate and the House representatives. In the case of laws related to the railroad safety and security, the federal government has expressed expressly preempted state laws on the subject with certain narrow exceptions. As part of their preemption, Ohio cannot directly regulate or impose penalties on a railroad company for failure to comply with state and federal regulations. However, FRA regulations authorize state participation in investigative and surveillance activities related to federal railroad safety, such as investigative activities authorized by the bill. Also, if the FRA does not act on a state's request for FRA action within a certain time period, a state may bring an action in federal court for assessment of federally authorized civil penalties or may bring an action to injunctive relief. Two-person freight train crews, RC 4999.09. The bill requires a train to, or light engine that moves freight to have a crew that consists of at least two individuals. No railroad superintendent, train master, or other railroad employee can order or otherwise require a train to light engine 
used in connection with the movement freight to be operated unless it has at least two person crew. Holster service and utility employees are not subject to the minimum crew requirement. Neither term is defined in the bill. The bill specifies that the two-person crew requirement is solely related to safety, including ensuring that no train or light engine used in connection with the movement of freight in Ohio is left without a functional crew person as a result of a medical emergency. Despite the safety requirement clarification, it is unclear what the medical emergency language means with regard to a two-person crew. Civil penalties. Under the bill, PUCO may assess civil penalty against a person who has willfully violated the minimum crew requirement as follows. Violation. If within three penalty, if within three years of the violation, PUCO has not assessed a civil penalty, the penalty can be from $250 to $1,000. If within three years of the violation, PUCO has assessed one civil penalty, so within one to three years of your first one, the penalty range will be $1,000 to $5,000. If within three years of the violation, PUCO has assessed two or more civil penalties, so within the term of three years, you have two or more penalties, uh, the penalty range is $5,000 to $10,000. The bill requires that the Attorney General, upon PUCO's request, which is Public Utility Commission of Ohio, to bring a civil action to collect these penalties. Penalties collected under the bill are deposited to the credit of the Public Utilities Fund. The fund is used for PUCO's administration and its supervision and jurisdiction over the state's railroads and public utilities. Provisions not applicable if federal requirements imposed. The bill provides that all the provisions discussed above no longer apply on and after a federal law regulation takes effect requiring a train or light engine used in connection with the movement of freight in Ohio to have a crew of at least two individuals. If Ohio enacts a two-person crew requirement that conflicts with federal rulemaking on the matter, a court could find that the requirement is unconstitutional under the Supremacy Clause of the U.S. Constitution. Hazardous Waste Transport Report, Section 749.10. The bill requires the PUCO and Ohio Environmental Protection Agency, OEPA, to prepare and submit a written report to the General Assembly regarding the transportation of hazardous materials and hazardous waste. <clears throat> the report must examine current federal and state laws specific to both of the following. One, the regulations and protocols pertaining to the transportation of hazardous materials and hazardous waste and two, any requirements pertaining to when, how, and to whom the transportation of hazardous materials and hazardous waste must be disclosed. The written report also must include recommendations for one, strengthening Ohio safety requirements for hazardous materials and waste transportation, and two, appropriate enhancements to current civil and criminal penalties related to the mishandling of hazardous materials or waste and the failure to meet disclosure requirements. The PUCO and OEPA must submit the report to the General Assembly within 90 days of the bill's effective date. Railroad Technology Report, Section 749.20. The bill requires the PUCO to examine both the current use and the best practices for use of hot boxes and hot bearing detectors. Acoustic, 
acoustic bearing detectors, and cameras installed on or alongside railroad tracks or wayside detector systems. The Puka May Consult Public Utility Commission of Ohio may consult with technical experts, railroad companies, the FRA, professional railroad associations, and the companies that manufacture and install such technology. Within 90 days of the bill's effective date, the Public Utilities Commission of Ohio must compile the information into a written report and submit it to the chairperson and the ranking member of the following legislative committees. The Senate Transportation Committee, the Senate Finance Committee, the House Transportation Committee, the House Homeland Security Committee, and the House Finance Committee. Now we are getting to the Department of Transportation, Ohio Rail Development Commission, composition of the commission. Specifies that the director of the transportation or the director designee must serve as the chairperson of the Ohio Rail Development Commission beginning October 21st, 2025, or at an earlier date if the current chairperson vacates their position. Specifies that when the director or designee begins serving as the chairperson, both of the following occur. The governor will no longer appoint one member to be the chairperson, but... The number of commission members appointed by the governor to represent the general public increases from one to two, thereby maintaining the current number of members on the commission. Passenger Rail Allows the commission to utilize a designee to construct and operate an intercity conventional or high-speed passenger transportation system. Specifies that the plan for the system must provide the connection of any points in Ohio and nearby states, rather than providing for the connection of Cleveland, Columbus, and Cincinnati, and any points in between only, as in current law. Regional Transit Authority, RTA audits. This would eliminate a requirement that the state auditor annually conduct an audit of the accounts and transactions of one large and two small RTAs. Eliminates the associated requirement that the auditor send a copy of the audit report to the Senate President, Speaker of the House, and Director of Budget Management within 90 days of completion. Retains the general requirement that the auditor audit all RTAs pursuant to the law governing the audit of public agencies. ODOT Expense Reports Requires ODOT to submit regular expenses reports to the Senate President and to the Speaker of the House related to the use of the loans and grants that ODOT issues through its transportation programs. ODOT Design Build Authority. Expands the type of ODOT projects that may be bid as a design build contract to include projects pertaining to all transportation facilities, which involve all modes of transportation and related facilities, not just highways or bridges as in current law. Allows the ODOT director to reject the best value bidder for a design built contract if the director determines that is not in the best, in the state's best interest. After rejecting the best value bidder, authorizes the director to accept another bid or to reject all bids and rebid the contract. ODOT Contract Performance and Payment Bonds Establishes requirements and procedures regarding performance and payment bonds for ODOT contracts that address the following circumstances. When a contract amount increases or decreases during the term of the contract, 
when the surety can no longer meet its obligation as a surety and when the contract is of a size larger than $500 million or more that can be covered by a single surety. Oversize and overweight limits and permits. Authorizes a vehicle powered primarily by electric battery power to exceed the statuary gross vehicle weight and axle load limits by up to 2,000 pounds. Requires the ODOT director in every county to issue an annual permit for both of the following. The vehicles that haul farm machinery when the farm machinery otherwise qualifies for ODOT, for the ODOT farm equipment permit or a similar county permit for a farm machinery and equipment. The vehicles that haul agricultural produce or agricultural production materials that otherwise could be hauled by farm machinery under ODOT farm equipment permit or a similar county permit for farm machi machinery and equipment. Ohio Workforce, Workforce Mobility Partnership Program creates the two-year Ohio Workforce Mobility Partnership Program administered by ODOT. Authorizes the boards of trustees of one or more RTAs from either urban or rural locations to singular, singularly or jointly apply for grant funding under the program. Requires RTAs to use grant funding for specific purposes related to supporting workforce transit, such as supporting the employment needs for economically significant employers. Requires the ODOT director to manage the program by establishing any necessary procedures and requirements, such as establishing grant application and evaluation processes. Earmarks $15 million each fiscal year for ODOT to administer the program. Wrong way driving study. Requires ODOT to contract with a third party to conduct a wrong way driving study in order to determine the reasons for incorrect driving patterns and other factors that lead to wrong way driving. Strategic transportation and development analysis. Requires ODOT in collaboration with the Department of Development and the Governor's Office of Workforce Transportation to conduct a statewide study of the Ohio transportation system by December 31st, 2024. Specifies that the study analyzed various aspects of Ohio's current transportation systems and capacities and forecast future needs and how those needs may be met. Brent Spence Bridge Corridor Project Specifies that all spending related to the Brent Spence Bridge Corridor Project be documented in the Ohio Administrative Knowledge System, OAKS, and visible to in the Ohio State and local government expenditure database. Commercial motor vehicle parking. For the next two fiscal years, permits ODOT to close a rest area only if the parking lot remains available for commercial motor vehicles. Indefinite delivery, indefinite quantity, IDIQ contracts. Authorizes the ODOT director to enter into an indefinite delivery and definite quality IDIQ contracts for up to two projects in fiscal years 24 and 25. 
for infinite delivery and infinite indefinite quality contracts requires the director to prepare bidding documents, establish contract forms, determine contract terms and conditions, develop and implement a work order process, and take any other action necessary to fulfill the director's duties and obligations related to the indefinite delivery, delivery indefinite quality contract. Ohio Rail Development Commission. Composition of the Commission, RC 4981.02. The bill modifies the makeup of the Ohio Rail Development Commission by specifying that on October 21, 2025, or when the current chairperson of the commission vacates their position before that date, the Director of Transportation or the Director's designee must serve as the chairperson of the commission. The director currently serves as a voting member of the commission, but current law requires the governor, with the advice and consent of the Senate, to appoint a chairperson. Under the bill, once the director or the director's designee becomes a chairperson, the governor must appoint another member of the commission who represents the general public. The commission currently is comprised of 15 members. Four non-voting members from the legislature, two voting members, one appointed by the Senate President, and one appointed by the Speaker of the House. The Director of Transportation and the Director of Development Services, both voting members, and seven voting members appointed with the advice and consent of the Senate by the Governor. The seven members appointed by the Governor are one, the Chairperson, two, a person who represents the interests of the freight rail company, three, a person who represents the interests of passenger rail service, four, a person who has expertise in infrastructure financing, five, a person who represents the interests of organized labor, six, a person who represents the interests of manufacturers, and seven, a person who represents the general public. Under the bill, the governor still will appoint seven members after October 21st, 2025 or on the date that the current chairperson vacates their position, but will appoint two general public members instead of one general public member and one chairperson. Passenger Rail, RC 4981.04. The bill allows the Ohio Rail Development Commission to utilize a designee to construct and operate an intercity conventional or high-speed passenger transportation system. Current law requires the commission to develop a plan for the construction and operation of, the of that type of the system. It also limits the authority for construction and operation of the system to the commission. The bill further specifies that the plan must, be, must provide for the connection of any points in Ohio and nearby states, as determined by the commission. Current law limits the plan to providing for the connection of Cleveland, Columbus, and Cincinnati, and any points in between those cities only. Regional Trans Transit Authority RTA audits repealed RC 5501.09, RC 117.11, not in the bill. The bill limits a requirement that the state auditor annually conduct an audit of the accounts and transactions of one large and two small RTAs.
Accordingly, the bill eliminates the associated requirement that the auditor send a copy of the audit report to the Senate President, Speaker of the House, and the Director of Budget Management within 90 days of the completion. Under current law retained by the bill, the auditor must audit all RTAs pursuant to the law governing the audit of public agencies. However, a copy of that report is not required to be sent to the President, Speaker, or Director. ODOT Expense Reports, RC 5501.521. The bill requires ODOT to prepare and submit regular expense reports related to grants and loans issued by ODOT through its various transportation programs. ODOT must submit the reports to the Senate President and the Speaker of the House at the earliest of the following periods. 1. The conclusion of the term of the loan. 2. The conclusion of the project funded by the grant or three, the end of the fiscal year for each fiscal year that the loan or project is still pending. The loan or grant recipient must assist ODOT by itemizing its use of the loan or grant money to include that information in the expense report. ODOT is also include, must include its administrative expenses in managing the loan or grant program in the report. However, if any of the content of the expense report is the same content that ODOT submits to the Ohio State and Local Government Expenditure Database, i.e. the Ohio Checkbook, ODOT may submit copies of that content in lieu of including it within the expense report. The Ohio Checkbook is maintained by the State Treasurer and the Directors of Budget and Management and Administrative Services and is accessible on their websites. It is designed to track state expenditures and create greater transparency with the public. ODOT Design Build Authority, RC 5517.011. The bill expands the type of ODOT projects that can be bid as a design-build contract. A design-build contract combines the design and construction phases of a project under one contract. Generally, the design phase and the construction phase are a bid as two separate contracts. Under current law, the ODOT director may only use design-build contracts for highway or bridge projects. The bill allows ODOT to enter into design-build contracts for design and construction of all transportation facilities. Transportation facilities include all publicly owned modes and means of transporting people and goods, including highway, aviation, rail, and port facilities. Transportation facilities also include physical buildings and infrastructure, such as garages, district offices, rest areas, and roadside parks. Regarding competitive bidding for projects, the bill allows the director to reject a best value bidder for a design-build contract on the grounds that the contract would not be in the state's best interest. After rejection of the bid, the director may accept another bid or reject all bids and rebid the contract. ODOT Contract Performance and Payment Bonds, RC 5525.16. The bill alters the requirements governing performance and payment bonds required to be secured by ODOT contractors. Under current law, before entering into a contract with ODOT, a contractor must obtain a performance bond in the amount equal to 100% 
of the contract amount generally conditioned that the contractor will perform the work on the terms and within the time prescribed in the contract. A contractor must also must secure a payment bond in an amount equal to 100% of the contract, conditioned on the payment by the contractor and all subcontractors for labor, work, and materials related to the contract. The bill establishes requirements and procedures that address circumstances when the contract amount increases or decreases during the term of the contract, when the surety can no longer meet its obligations as a surety, and when the contract of the size larger than can be covered by a single surety. Contract amount changes. Under the bill, if the contract amount increases or decreases by $40,000 or more during the term of the contract, the final bond amount must be adjusted to account for the change from the original contract value to the actual final contract value. To accomplish this, ODOT director must do the following. 1. Determine the final bond premium amount for the contract performance bond and payment bond based on the actual final contract value. 2. Finalize any bond premium adjustments after receiving written consent from the affected sureties confirming that the sureties increased or decreased the penal sum, whichever applies. And 3. Determine what, if any, additional payments or refunds are necessary under the contract as a result of the adjusted final bond premium amount. Under the bill, the actual final contract value is the final sum of money, excluding any bond premium adjustments that is paid by ODOT to the contractor as a result of the contractor completing the agreed upon work. Inability of surety to meet obligations. The bill also requires the contractor to provide the ODOT director with new surety bonds within 21 days of any of the following occurring to a surety providing a surety bond for the project. One, it is adjusted bankrupt or has made general assignment for the benefit of its creditors. Two, it has liquidated all assets or has made a general assignment for the benefit of its creditors. Three, it is placed in receivership. Four, it petitions a state or federal court for protection from its creditors, or five, it allows a license to do business in Ohio to lapse or be revoked. Large contracts. Under the bill, when the total contract amount is greater than $500 million, the director may authorize either of the following for purpose of meeting the surety bond requirement. One, the issuance of multiple contract performance bonds or multiple contract payment bonds to meet the requirement that the bonding amount equals to 100% of the contract amount. Or two, the issuance of contract performance bonds and contract payment bonds in succession to align with the phases of the contract to meet the requirement that the bonding amount equals 100% of the contract amount. Oversized overweight limits and permits, RC 4513.34 and 5577.044. Current law prohibits a person from operating a vehicle on highways and bridges if the size or weight of the vehicle exceeds certain statutory limitations. Unless the vehicle qualifies for an exemption or the owner has a special permit, currently a vehicle fueled solely by compressed natural gas, CNG, or liquid natural gas, LNG, may exceed the gross vehicle weight and axle load limits by up to 2,000 pounds. 
The bill extends the same exemption to a vehicle powered primarily by electric battery power. Similar to the CNG or LNG vehicle, the battery-powered vehicle may not exceed the weight and load limits on the highway, road, or bridge that is subject to reduce maximum weights. Current law also provides for a general size exemption for farm machinery and, while, and an additional allowance for farm machinery to exceed the weight limits up to 7.5% while transporting farm commodities. Farm machinery includes all of the machines and tools used in the production, harvesting, and care of farm products, i.g. trailers used for agricultural produce, agricultural tractors, threshing machinery, hay baling machinery, corn shellers, hammer mills, etc. Generally, the owner of the farm machinery must obtain a farm equipment permit to cover the weight of the 7.5% allowance and for other use of the machinery on the roads and highways beyond farm commodity transportation. The farm equipment permit issued by ODOT is a one-year permit. However, if the same farm machinery or agricultural products hauled by that farm machinery is loaded onto a commercial trailer or semi-trailer, the ODOT permit is a 90-day permit. The bill thus requires ODOT in every county to issue an annual permit for both the following. 1. The vehicles that haul farm machinery when the farm machinery otherwise qualifies for ODOT farm equipment permit or a similar county permit for farm machinery and equipment. Two, the vehicle that haul agricultural produce or agricultural production materials that otherwise could be hauled by farm machinery under ODOT farm equipment permit or similar county permit for farm machinery and equipment. The bill allows the ODOT director and the counties to continue to issue permits for those vehicles for less than a year in addition to the annual permit. Additionally, the director and counties may establish the fees for the permits. The fees are designed to compensate for damages caused to the road, highway, or bridges over which the overweight vehicle travels. Ohio Workforce Mobility Partnership Program, sections 203.45 and 755.20. The bill establishes a two-year Ohio Workforce Mobility Partnership Program and requires ODOT to administer it. Under the program, the Board of Trustees of any Regional Transit Authority, RTA, urban or rural, may singularly or jointly apply for grant funding for individual or collaborative projects. The grant funding must be used to support the transportation of resident workforce members between the service territories of RTAs. An economically significant employment center is a single site, multiple adjoining sites, or a business park where the employers located at the site or park employ at least 250 full-time on-site employees. The board also must use the money to focus on transportation that supports the employment needs of economically significant employment centers located within or near the service territories of RTAs. Specifically, that the support must include easy, efficient, and economical transportation for a resident workforce that, one, lives in the RTA service area with little or public transport, transit access to an economically significant employment center, or two, lives within one of RTA service territories but are employed full-time within another RTA service territory. The ODOT director must manage the program by establishing any necessary procedures and requirements to administer it. Those may include grant applications, procedures, application evaluation criteria, award processes, and any conditions for spending grant money awarded under the program. 
The bill earmarks $15 million in each fiscal year from the Highway Operating Fund, Fund 7002, Appropriation Item 772422, Highway Construction, Federal for ODOT to administer the program. Wrong Way Driving Study, Section 203.25. The bill requires ODOT to contract with third party through a request for proposal process and in coordination with DAS to conduct a wrong-way driving study across Ohio. For purposes of this study, the third party must collect data at specific locations as determined by the ODOT director to understand incorrect driving patterns and other factors that lead to wrong-way driving. The data may be used to, pur used to purpose safety interventions that mitigate the hazards of wrong-way driving or prevent its occurrence. The bill earmarks $50,000 for the study. Strategic Transportation and Development Analysis. The bill requires ODOT in collaboration with the Department of Development and the Governor's Office of Workforce Transportation to conduct a statewide study of the Ohio transportation system. The study, which must be completed by December 31st, 2024, must do all of the following. One, analyze statewide and regional demographics. Two, investigate economic development growth opportunities. Three, examine current transportation systems and capacities. Four, forecast passenger and freight, level, uh, freight travel needs over 10, 20, and 30-year time frame. Identify current and future transportation links. Evaluate and rank current Oh, sorry. Six, evaluate current rank, current, evaluate and rank current and potential risk for future system congestion. And seven, make actionable recommendations for transportation system projects to support statewide economic growth, especially in improving the links between Toledo, Columbus and Sandusky and Columbus. ODOT may contract with third parties as necessary to execute the study. The bill appropriates $10 million in fiscal year 2024 for the study. Brent Spence Bridge Corridor Project, Section 203.47. The bill requires ODOT to document all spending related to the Brent Spence Bridge Corridor Project in the Ohio Administrative Knowledge System, OAKS, and made visible in the Ohio State and Local Government Expenditure Database, the Ohio Checkbook. Commercial Motor Vehicle Parking, Section 755.40. The bill stipulates that during fiscal year 24 and 25, ODOT may close a rest area under its jurisdiction only if it keeps the parking lot open for use by commercial motor vehicles. This is a continuation of the same stipulation previously established for fiscal years 2020 through 2023. Indefinite delivery, indefinite quantity, IDIQ contracts, section 203.100. The bill requires the ODOT director to advertise seek bids for an award indefinite delivery indefinite quantity, IDIQ, contracts for up to two projects in fiscal years 24 and 25. The IDIQ contract is a contract for indefinite quantity within state limits of supplies or services that will be delivered by the awarded bidder for over a defined contract period. When entering into IDIQ contracts, the director must prepare bidding documents, establish contract forms, determine contract terms and conditions, develop and implement a work order process, and take any other action necessary to fulfill the director's duties and obligations related to IDIQ contracts. The director must ensure that an IDIQ contract includes the maximum overall value of the contract, which may include an allowable increase of $100,000 or 5% of the advertised contract value, whichever is less. 
and the duration of the contract, including the time extension of up to one year, if determined appropriate by the director. The requirements pertaining to the IDIQ contracts are an extension of the requirements from the previous transportation budgets. Department of Public Safety. With the Department of Development and the Governor's Office of Workforce Transportation to conduct a statewide study of the Ohio transportation system. The study, which must be completed by December 31st, 2024, must do all of the following. One, analyze statewide and regional demographics. Two, investigate economic development growth opportunities. Three, examine current transportation systems and capacities. Four, forecast passenger and freight, level, uh, freight travel needs over 10, 20, and 30-year time frame. Identify current and future transportation links. Evaluate and rank current Oh, sorry. Six. Evaluate current rank. Current. Evaluate and rank current and potential risk for future system congestion. And seven. Make actionable recommendations for transportation system projects to support statewide economic growth, especially in improving the links between Toledo, Columbus, and Sandusky and Columbus. ODOT may contract with third parties as necessary to execute the study. The bill appropriates ten million dollars in fiscal year twenty twenty four for the study. Brent Spence Bridge Corridor Project, Section 203.47. The bill requires ODOT to document all spending related to the Brent Spence Bridge Corridor Project in the Ohio Administrative Knowledge System, OAKS, and made visible in the Ohio State and Local Government Expenditure Database, the Ohio Checkbook. Commercial Motor Vehicle Parking, Section 755.40. The bill stipulates that during fiscal year 24 and 25, ODOT may close a rest area under its jurisdiction only if it keeps the parking lot open for use by commercial motor vehicles. This is a continuation of the same stipulation previously established for fiscal years 2020 through 2023. Indefinite delivery, indefinite quantity, IDIQ contracts, section 203.100. The bill requires the ODOT director to advertise seek bids for an award indefinite delivery indefinite quantity, IDIQ, contracts for up to two projects in fiscal years 24 and 25. The IDIQ contract is a contract for indefinite quantity within state limits of supplies or services that will be delivered by the awarded bidder for over a defined contract period. When entering into IDIQ contracts, the director must prepare bidding documents, establish contract forms, determine contract terms and conditions, develop and implement a work order process, and take any other action necessary to fulfill the director's duties and obligations related to IDIQ contracts. The director must ensure that an IDIQ contract includes the maximum overall value of the contract, which may include an allowable increase of $100,000 or 5% of the advertised contract value, whichever is less and the duration of the contract, including the time extension of up to one year, if determined appropriate by the director. The requirements pertaining to the IDIQ contracts are an extension of the requirements from the previous transportation budgets. Department of Public Safety. Department of Public Safety. Pay ranges for the highway patrol officers and other employees. Establishes a pay range 19 and step value 7 in pay range 17 in a salary schedule E-1 for exempt state employees and repeals a requirement that the Director of Administrative Services 
adopt rules establishing pay range 19 and step value 7 and pay range 17. Prohibits all employees except highway patrol captains from being assigned a step value 7 and pay range 17 of Schedule E-1. Beginning July 1, 2023, it assigns exempted sergeants and lieutenant colonels in Ohio State Highway Patrol on their equivalents to pay ranges 14 and 19, respectively, in salary schedule E-1. Non-commercial trailer registration. Requires the registrar of motor vehicles to authorize an owner or leasee of a non-commercial trailer to register the trailer permanently. Specifies that the one-time cost of the permanent registration is eight times the annual registration tax for a non-commercial trailer, uh, parentheses, which is determined by the weight of the trailer, eight times the annual $11 Bureau of Motor Vehicles fee, eight times the amount of any local motor vehicle taxes, if applicable, and eight times the $5 Deputy Registrar BMB service fee. Specifies that a permanent registration is not transferable to any other trailer that is non-refundable. Military license plate program documentation. Requires the registrar to accept a county issue veteran identification card in lieu of an applicant's DD-214 as documentary evidence of service from a person who applies for a military license plate. Removable windshield placard expiration. <clears throat> Extends the maximum validity period from five years to 10 years for a removable windshield placard issued to a person with a disability that limits or impairs the ability to walk. Motor vehicle certificate title. Requires the purchaser of a financial motor vehicle to affirmatively choose between receiving a physical certificate of title or having a title remain electronic upon completion of all payments financing the motor vehicle. Requires the lender to have a physical certificate of title delivered to the purchaser without any additional fee if the purchaser elects to have the physical certificate of title. Third-party motor vehicle history reports. Specifies that a motor vehicle dealer is not liable for any accuracy of the information contained in a third-party motor vehicle history report that was provided by another entity. Daily pre-trip school bus inspections. Requires a superintendent of public instruction and the director of public safety to modify their rules related to the daily pre-trip school bus inspection by removing checks of specified equipment. Specifies that the State Highway Patrol must still check that the equipment in their regular school bus equipment inspections. Pay ranges for Highway Patrol lieutenants and other employees, RC-124, 152, and 5503.031, section 812.15. The bill establishes a pay range 19, which applies to exempt state employees beginning July 1, 2023. An employee assigned to a pay range 19 must be paid between $120,286 annually, which is, amounts to $57.83 um, per hour, and $157,643 annually, which amounts to $75.79 per hour, depending on the assigned step value. The bill establishes six step values for the pay range 19. The bill also establishes Step 7 in Pay Range 17 to begin July 1, 2023. An employee assigned to the Step Value 7 in Pay Range 17 of Schedule E-1 must be paid an annual salary of $137,217, approximately $65.97 per hour. However, only a captain in the Highway Patrol may be assigned to Step Value 7 in Pay Range 17, while other employees paid in accordance with Schedule E-1 may be assigned to a pay range 17 
Step values one through six, no other employee paid in accordance with the schedule may be assigned to step value seven. The bill repeals the requirement established in HB 462 of the 134th General Assembly, effective April 3rd, 2023, that the Director of Administrative Services adopt rules establishing pay range 19 and step value 7 and pay range 17. Under current law, the rules adopted by the DAS Director must identify the hourly and annual pay for step value 7 and pay range 17, which must be proportionally higher then the hourly and annual pay for step value 6, the rules establishing pay range 19 must require an individual be paid a minimum annual salary of $101,935 up to a maximum annual salary of $122,465. The rules also must create step values within range and determine the hourly and annual pay for each step. The bill prohibits the DAS director from taking any action with respect to the rule adoption requirements repealed by the bill. It also specifies that the elimination of the rule adoption requirements takes effect July 1st, 2023. The requirement for the DAS administrator to adopt the pay schedule rules takes effect April 3rd, 2023, which is before the date of the repeal of that requirement and the prohibition against taking action are to take effect July 1st, 2023. Therefore, the effect of the prohibition against the DAS director adopting the rules is unclear. Beginning July 1, 2023, the bill also requires sergeant of the Ohio State Patrol who are paid in accordance with the exempt employee salary schedules to be paid in accordance with pay range 14. In Schedule E1, under continuing law, lieutenants, staff lieutenants, captains, majors, and lieutenant colonels are in the Highway Patrol, are their equivalents, must be paid in accordance with the following pay ranges from Schedule E-1. Lieutenants are equivalent officer pay range 15, staff lieutenant or equivalent officer pay range 16, captain or equivalent officer pay range 17, major equivalent officer pay range 18, lieutenant or colonel or equivalent officer pay range 19. Under continuing law, Schedule E-1 generally applies to employees who are part of the state job classification plan and who are not considered public employees for purposes of the public employees collective bargaining law. Non-Commercial Trailer Registration, RC 4503.10, The bill requires the Register of Motor Vehicles to authorize an owner or leasee of a non-commercial trailer to register the trailer permanently. Under current law, the owner or leasee of the non-commercial trailer may only register the trailer annually for up to five years under the multi-year registration program available to most motor vehicles. The owner or leasee of the commercial trailer or semi-trailer, however, has a permanent registration option. The bill creates a similar process for non-commercial trailers. Permanent registration costs. The bill specifies that the one-time cost of a permanent non-commercial trailer registration is one, eight times the annual registration tax for a non-commercial trailer. The annual tax ranges from $16 to $140, depending on the under unladen weight of the trailer, up to 10,000 pounds. Two, eight times the annual borough of motor vehicles fee. The annual fee is currently $11. Three, eight times the amount of a local motor vehicle taxes. The annual tax range from zero to $30, depending on the taxes levied in the registrant's jurisdiction. And four, eight times the deputy registrar BMV service fee. The fee is currently $5. Thus, for example, a 5,000 pound trailer with a base annual registration cost of $70. $59 for the annual registration plus $11 for the additional BNB. 
fee plus the maximum amount of a local motor vehicle tax, which is $30, plus $5 service fee multiplied by eight equals $840 for a permanent registration. If the registrant registers in a jurisdiction without a local motor vehicle tax, the cost for permanent registration would only be $600. The cost structure is similar to the current law permit permanent registration for a commercial trailer or semi-trailer. By registering the commercial trailer permanently, the owner or leasee of the trailer pays in advance for eight years of the registration, but then pays nothing in registration taxes and fees for the rest of the lifetime of the trailer beyond the eight years. Permanent registration requirements. In addition to paying all the required taxes, fees, an owner or lessee, leasee must submit a completed application for registration and comply with all other motor vehicle registration requirements. At that point, the register or deputy register must issue the applicant a permanent license plate and a permanent validation sticker. The non-commercial trailer permanent registration is exclusive to the trailer that is registered and is not transferable to any other trailer. Additionally, the applicant is not entitled to any refund of any taxes or fees that are paid to the permanent registration, e.g. the non-commercial trailer only lasts for about five years, the applicant cannot get a refund for the additional three years of taxes and fees that were paid on it. Military License Plate Program Documentation, RC 4503.29. The bill requires the registrar to accept a county-issued veteran identification card from a person applying a military license plate. As documentary evidence of service, under continuing law, the Director of Veteran Services and the registrar must, one, maintain a program to issue specialty license plates recognizing the military service and military honor pertaining to the valor of the service, and two, jointly adopt the rules under the Administrative Procedure Act for the program. Those rules include the requirement of governing any necessary documentary evidence an applicant must present for a specified license plate. The bill specifically requires that the adopted rules with respect to the documentary evidence must allow an applicant to present a county-issued veteran identification card in lieu of a copy of the DD-214 equivalent document. The DD-214 is a standard armed forces discharge record issued by the U.S. Department of Defense. Under the bill, an applicant still may be, may be required to present additional evidence that the veteran identification card does not show all of the information needed to issue, for issuance of the specific specialty license plate requested by the applicant. Continuing law authorizes the Board of the County Commissioners to authorize a county recorder or a county veteran service office to issue Ohio veteran identification cards to qualifying individuals. Presentation of the individual's armed forces discharge record is one of the requirements for obtaining the county-issued veteran's identification card. Removable windshield placard expiration. The bill extends the maximum val validity period from five years to 10 years for a removable windshield placard issued by the BMV to a person with a disability that limits or impairs the ability to walk. Under current law, the BMV issues two types of removable windshield placards. A standard placard that expires within six months when an applicant applies for a placard. The applicant must turn in the prescription from an authorized health care provider specifying how long the disability is expected to last. The temporary placard is issued to a person whose disability is expected to last less than six months. For example, a broken leg. The standard placard is issued to a person with a disability that is expected to last longer than six months. 
Those with either a disability lasting longer than five years or a permanent disability must renew the standard plaque card every five years. Motor Vehicle Certificate of Title, RC 4503.131. Motor vehicles are often purchased through a financing agreement between a purchaser, motor vehicle dealer, and a lender. When purchaser finances a motor vehicle, the Certificate of Title for the motor vehicle is recorded electronically into the Automated Title Processing System, ATPS. With the lien for the financing noted in the electric, electronic title, the certificate of, for, of the title for the motor vehicle remains an electronic document by default. Even after the purchaser has paid off the motor vehicle loan in full, a purchaser may request a physical certificate of title in the name of the purchaser from the clerk of court. However, the purchaser must pay an additional $15 to obtain the physical certificate of title. Having paid $15 previously at the point of sale for the electronic certificate of title, under the bill, a purchaser may request a physical certificate of title when a loan obtained to a purchase of the motor vehicle is paid in full. The lender must send a form to the purchaser upon completion of the payments, allowing the purchaser to affirmatively choose between receiving a physical title or having a title remain electronic. If the purchaser wishes to have a physical title, the lender must obtain and deliver to the purchaser a physical title at no extra cost to the purchaser. The process specified above does not apply, however, if the completion of payment is because the purchaser has sold, traded, or otherwise no longer has the ownership interest in the motor vehicle. Third-party motor vehicle history reports, RC 4517.262. The bill specifies that a motor vehicle dealer is not liable for the accuracy of information provided by another entity that is contained in the third-party motor vehicle history report, i.e. Carfax report. This immunity applies when the dealer, including the dealer's agents and employees, provides the report to a purchaser, leasee, or any other third party in conjunction with a sale, lease, or potential sale of a lease of a motor vehicle. Under the bill, a third-party motor vehicle history report is any formal or informal report prepared by a person other than the motor vehicle dealer that relates to one of the following. A motor vehicle's current ownership or a motor vehicle's certificate title of transfer history a brand on the motor vehicle certificate of title, a lien on the motor vehicle, a motor vehicle service, maintenance, or repair history, a motor vehicle's condition, a motor vehicle's accident and collision history, and a motor vehicle's mileage. Current law, unchanged by the bill, requires a person who is selling a motor vehicle at retail or wholesale to execute a contract with the buyer that includes a written description in the of the motor vehicle. The vehicle identification number, the mileage of the motor vehicle's odometer, and the state declaring the odometer's accuracy and other pertaining terms pertaining to the sale daily pre-trip school bus inspections uh, rc 4511.765 the bill requires the superintendent of public instruction with the advice of the director of public safety to modify their rules relating to the daily pre-trip school bus inspections the modification must remove the daily check of all the following equipment before the school school bus driver departs to pick up students for the day one, the turbocharger, two, the alternator, three, the belts, four, the water pump, five, the power steering pump, six, the air pump, any, uh, seven, any part of the steering system, eight, any part of the suspension, nine, any part of the air brakes, 10, any part of the brake equipment, including drums or rotors, 11, the springs and spring mounts, 12, the airbags. The bill specifies that while daily checks are eliminated, the State Highway Patrol must still check all of the above equipment in their regular school bus equipment inspections. Local government, force accounts, 
authorizes a board of county commissioners, a board of township trustees, and a legislative authority of the Uncharted Municipal Corporation, parentheses, local authority, and parentheses, to establish its own force account threshold limits by resolution or ordinance. Establishes statutory default force account limits, increased from limits in the current law, for each local authority that apply in the local authority does not establish its own limit. Annually increases the statutory force accounts limits based on the National Highway Construction Cost Index. Requires the local authority to report any locally established force account limits to the state auditor in order to make that limit effective. Reduces a local authority's force accounts, account limits to one-third of the local authority's established limits for one year if the local authority violates those limits rather than specifying dollar amount reductions as under current law. Traffic cameras requires a county or township to only use handheld traffic cameras for civil enforce or red light or speeding offenses. Transportation Improved Districts Agreement with RTA Authorizes a Transportation Improvement District, TID, to enter into agreement, including a multi-year agreement with a Regional Transit Authority, RTA, in Hamilton County regarding road and bridge projects in the same manner that counties, municipal corporations, or townships may enter into agreement with TID under current law. Stipulates that under the agreement, the TID, along with any participating county, municipal corporation, or township, may fund and finance qualifying projects, which are projects involving the construction or maintenance of roads or bridges related to the provision of service by the RTA. The TID may issue bonds to assist in the provisions of funding and financing, and the RTA may levy, pledge, assign sales, and use taxes to reimburse the TID for the debt service on qualifying bonds issued by the TID, which is Transportation Improvement District. Applies the current law, authority, immunity, and responsibilities granted to the Transportation Improvement District for other projects to qualifying project. Authorizes the Transportation Information District to fund and finance projects in addition to its current law authorization to manage projects directly authorizes the Transportation Information District to employ, hire, or otherwise retain the services of auditors, authorizes the qualifying RTA to pledge its sales and use tax revenue to pay debt service on county, municipal, and township bonds to fund qualifying projects. Local government spending. Authorizes any county, municipal corporation, or township to make appropriations to pay the costs incurred by the transportation information districts rather than only the county municipal corporations and townships that are part of the transportation information districts as in current law. County cooperation authorizes the transportation information districts to enter into agreement with the board of county commissioners that accreted the transportation of information district and with the boards of the county commissioners of the contiguous group of the count of, of counties to exercise all powers of the transportation information districts with respect to a project that is both the following located partially or wholly within a county that is part as party to the agreement and partially funded with federal money the transportation information district board of trustees eliminates the authorization for the senate president to appoint a non-voting member to the transportation of information districts board of trustees Regional Transportation Improvement Projects, RTIPS, authorizes an existing Regional Transportation Improvement Project to enter into a Memorandum of Understanding with the Department of Transportation concerning improvements with 2,500 feet of the Regional Transportation Improvement Projects right-of-way. 
allows such regional transportation improvement projects to exercise certain powers pursuant to the memorandum related to the project funding, economic development, and other and operations of businesses, public-private partnership, and acquisition of property by appropriation or otherwise. Make several changes to the procedure that requirements for the creation of transportation financing district by the regional transportation improvement projects. Aggregate minerals mining zone requires a county or township to allow aggregate mineral surface mining activities in any zoning district, i.e. residential, commercial, industrial, as either permitted use or conditional use, conditional use when those activities are to be added to the existing mineral mining operation as authorized by permit issued by the Department of Natural Resources. Force accounts, RC 117.16, and 5575.01. The bill alters the existing force account laws concerning road, highway, bridge, and culvert construction and repair projects undertaken by the Board of County Commissioners a Board of Township Trustees and a legislative authority of an uncharted municipal corporation parentheses, local authority. Force account is a term used to establish whether a governmental agency may use its own labor force to complete a project and whether it must use competitive bidding. Otherwise, put a force account threshold is a threshold amount that once exceeded, a governmental agency must use competitive bidding. The bill authorizes the local authority to enter to either one, establish its own force account threshold limits, or two, to continue to act under statutory force account threshold limits. If the local authority establishes its own limits, it must do so by an ordinance of, or resolution. The local authority may later amend those limits in order to make those limits effective. The local authority must report the established, or parentheses, amended limits to the state auditor. If the local authority does not establish its own limits, it must act in act under the statutory of force account threshold limits. However, the bill increases those current statutory limits as follows. From $30,000 per project to $75,840 per project for an uncharted municipal corporation highway projects. From $30,000 per mile to $78,840 per mile for the county's highway construction and reconstruction projects. From $100,000 per project to $252,800 per project for county's bridge and culvert construction and reconstruction projects. From $45,000 per project to $113,760 per project for the township's road maintenance and repairs project. From $15,000 per mile to $37,920 per mile for the township's road construction or reconstruction projects. The bill automatically increases the statutory limits annually by the percentage amount of an increase in the National Highway Construction Cost Index for the previous calendar year. The ODOT director must notify each appropriate engineer of the increased amount under current law. Statutory force account limits are increased by biennially by lesser of 3% or the percentage amount of the increase of ODOT's construction costs index is annualized and totaled for the prior two calendar years. As under current law, local authority must use the state auditor force account project assessment from when it undertakes a project by force account. If the state auditor finds a local authority violated its force account threshold limit, the state auditor must reduce the force account threshold limits for that local authority for one of two years based on the number of violations. 
Under current law, those reductions are specified dollar amounts. The bill instead reduces the local authority's limits to one-third of its established limits to account for the potential variations between these local limits. Traffic cameras, RC 4511.093. The bill restricts the authority of a county or township to operate a traffic law photo monitoring device, tra in parentheses, traffic camera, for civil enforcement of red light or speeding offenses. Under continuing law, county or township may operate a civil enforcement program provided the county or township abides by statutory regulations and restrictions concerning the program. For example, townships cannot operate traffic cameras on interstate highways. The bill restricts the type of types of traffic cameras that a township or county may use by limiting them to only handheld cameras. Transportation Improvement Districts Agreement with RTA, Section RC 306.353, 5540.01, 5540.03, and 5540.06. The bill authorizes the Transportation Improvement District to enter into an agreement, including a multi-year agreement, with the Regional Transit Authority, RTA, in Hamilton County in order to construct or maintain roads and bridges that relate to the RTA's provision services, parentheses, qualifying project. Under current law, county municipal corporation or township, parentheses, local government, may enter into a similar agreement with RTA. Under the agreement, the Transportation Improvement District, along with any other participating local government, agrees to fund and finance the qualifying project. The bill authorizes the Transportation Improvement District to issue bonds and to assist in the funding and financing. Relatedly, the bill authorizes the RTA to levy, pledge, and assign sales and use taxes in order to reimburse the Transportation Improvement District and any other local government for debt service on the bonds issued by the debt, a Transportation Information Improvement Districts or local government. An agreement between the TID and the Hamilton County RTA as authorized by the bill must go through the same process as an agreement for qualifying projects under current law, namely the appropriate public works Integrating committee must approve the agreement, requiring an affirmation vote of six members of the committee. The committee must notify the RTA of its decision to approve or deny the agreement, and the RTA may only spend funding as authorized under the agreement. The committee must also annually review the agreement unless it's a multi-year agreement that was previously approved. In order to ensure the full payment of any bonds issued by the TID or any authorized government, the bill prohibits the RTA and the electors that approve the sales and use tax from repealing, rescinding, or reducing the sales and use tax until the debt service of the bonds is paid, is paid fully. The bill applies the general authority, immunity, and responsibility granted to the TID for projects under current law to the qualifying project with RTA. Additionally, it expands the TID's authority to cooperate with any government agencies in the planning, design, acquisition, construction, maintenance, funding, and financing of the projects, including the qualifying projects. And finally, it authorizes the TID to employ, hire, or otherwise retain services of auditors. Local government spending, RC 5540.02. The bill authorizes any county, municipal, corporation, or township to make appropriations to pay costs that the TID incurs, provided that the money is available for that purpose. Under current law, only the local governments that are part of the TID may make appropriations to support it. 
The expansion allows other local governments that benefit from, benefit from but are not a part of the TID to share in its costs. County Cooperation, RC 5540.03. The bill authorizes the Transportation Improvement District to enter into agreement with the Board of County Commissioners that created the TID and the Boards of County Commissioners of the contigu uh, contiguous group of counties to exercise the powers of that TID for a project that is both the following. One, located partially or wholly within the county that is part of the agreement, and two, is partially funded with federal money. Under the current law, a TID may enter into agreement with one contiguous county, but not necessarily a group of counties. As a creature of statute, the TID may only take actions specifically authorized by statute. The bill's expansion specifically enables the Lucas County TID to undertake transportation system improvements that benefit Lucas, Wood, Ottawa, and Sandusky counties if these counties win a federal safe streets and roads and all grant. TID Board of Trustees, Section 5540.02. The bill eliminates the authorization for the Senate President to appoint a non-voting member to the TID's Board of Trustees. Under continuing law, the TID Board of Trustees is structured in one of two ways. In both structures, the President of the Senate may, but is not required to, appoint a non-voting member to the board. The bill removes the Senate appointment entirely, but retains the Speaker of the House's potential appointee. Regional Transportation Improvement Projects, RTIPS. Continuing law authorizes the Board of the County Commissioners of two or more counties to enter into a cooperative agreement creating a Regional Transportation Improvement Project, RTIP. The purpose of the RTIP is to undertake transportation improvements within the participating counties. The agreement governs the scope of the project and includes a comprehensive plan for its completion. The only existing RTIP encompasses Carroll, Columbiana, and Stark counties. The bill makes several changes to the RTIPs and the special financing districts that counties participating in an RTIP may create to generate funding for projects. Memorandum of Understanding with the Department of Transportation, RC 404.22, 5595.01, 559.03, 5595 5595.041, 5595.42, and 5709.50. The bill allows the governing board of the RTIP formed before the bill's 90-day effective date qualified RTIP to negotiate and enter into a memorandum of understanding with the Department of Transportation, ODOT. Concerning the infrastructure improvements and economic development activities that are at least partially funded by private sources and are in close proximity to the RTIP right-of-way, parentheses, opportunity corridor improvements. A qualified RTIP that enters into a memorandum of understanding with ODOT in addition to current authority and RTIP possesses may do all of the following. Purchase property located within the RTIP development area, i.e. the areas within 2,500 feet of the RTIP TIP right-of-way and in which opportunity corridor improvements may be undertaken, except by eminent domain for use of RTIP board or transportation opportunity corridor improvements. Appropriate property through eminent domain within the RTIP right-of-way exclusively for transportation improvement described in the Memorandum of Understanding provided the appropriation authorities also described in the Memorandum. 
The board is explicitly prohibited from appropriating property under current law. Receive and reinvest funds from development area. Contract for the use of digitalized procurement planning and permitting system. Request and receive grants and private contributions. Establish, acquire, own, control, manage, sell, or transfer businesses. Form and manage public-private enterprise, i.e. private corporations jointly owned by RTIP board and privately party to manage opportunity corridor improvements subject to the approval of ODOT. Enter into agreement with the Ohio Academic Resource Network for the purpose of establishing, expanding, and improving broadband or digital services in the development area. While not specifically intertwined in, with a memorandum of understanding, the bill also allows revenue sources from qualified RTIP authorized under continuing law to be used for opportunity corridor improvements and clarifies land within the RTIP development may be exempted from property taxation and subject to payments in lieu of taxes. Pilots. By a municipal corporation, township, or county under continuing tax increment financing, TIF law. Transportation financing districts, TFDs. RC 5709.48, 5709.49, 5709.50, and 5709.83, section 803.20. Counties participating in an RTIP may create a transportation financing district, TFD, that, similar to TIF incentive district, generates funding for projects by exempting the increase in assessed value of the property in the district from taxation and collecting service payments from property owners. Service payments may be used in furtherance of the RTIP and in accordance with the cooperative agreement and as authorized by the bill, any memorandum of understanding. The bill makes several changes to the TFDs. First, the bill requires the TFD must generally include all of the territory of the counties participating in the RTIP. Under current law, the TFD may, but is not required to, include territory from all of the participating counties. Under continuing law, which the bill retains, a TFD may not include a residential property or property that is exempt under the TIF arrangement. Second, the bill requires that the RTIP governing board enter into an agreement with each property owner whose property will be included in the TFD. Under current law, the board must get the approval of all the property owners, but it's not required to enter into a formal agreement with each, each owner. Under the bill, each agreement must specify the projects and purposes for which the owner's service payments will be used. If the owner refuses to enter into an agreement, the owner's property must be excluded from the TFD. Third, the bill aligns the notice of the approval requirements for creating TFD with those that apply to a TIF arrangement. Specifically, the bill eliminates a requirement that all taxing districts within the territory of the proposed TFD approve its creation. Instead, similar to the creation of the TIF, only the approval of the school districts within the territory is required and only if the proposed exemption is greater than 75% or longer than 10 years. In lieu of seeking school district approval, the RTIP may agree to fully compensate the school districts for their resulting revenue loss or similar to current law, a district may negotiate a compensation agreement in exchange for its approval. A school district may also waive its right to approve the TFDs. The bill's TFD changes apply to any resolution granting TFD tax exemption adopted on or after the bill's 90 days effective date. Aggregate Minerals Mining Zoning, RC 303.02 and 519.02. 
The bill requires a county or township to allow aggregate mineral surface mining activities in any zoning district, i.e. residential, commercial, industrial, as either permitted use or conditional use through the board's zoning appeals when both of the following apply. One, the, town, the county or township has authorized the zoning resolution for the aggregate mineral mining operation. Or two, the activities to be conducted by the operation are authorized by permit issued by the Department of Natural Resources. The bill retains current law specification that if a county or township intends to regulate aggregate mi minerals surfacing mining through zoning resolution, it can only do so in the interest of public health or safety. Department of Taxation, Motor Fuel Tax Allowances and Refunds. Continues the 1% fuel dealer, the 0.5% retailer shrinkage allowances in effect biennially since 2008, superseding the 3% and 1% allowances in permanent codified law. Motor Fuel Allowances and Refunds, Section 757.20. Since fiscal year 2008, each motor vehicle dealer that properly files and pays monthly motor and excise taxes may deduct for the payment the tax otherwise due on 1% of the fuel the dealer received, minus 0.5% of the fuel sold to the retail dealers. This allowance is to cover the cost of the filing the report to compensate for evaporation, shrinkage, and other unaccounted for losses. Under permanent codified law, however, the percentages are 3% and 1% re respectively. But each of the last eight transportation appropriation acts reduced the 3% discount to 1% minus 0.5% of the fuel sold to retail dealers. The bill continues the allowance at the reduced 1% level through fiscal years 24-25 biennium. Retail fuel dealers who have purchased, purchased fuel on which the excise tax has been paid receive a refund to the account of, for evaporation and shrinkage. In permanent codified law, the refund equals 1% of the taxes paid on the fuel each semi-annual period. But as with the dealer shrinkage allowance, the retailer refund has reduced to 0.5% for each fiscal year from 2008 to 2023 by uncodified provisions in the last eight Transportation Appropriation Acts. The Act continues to reduce the percentage at this level through the fiscal year 24 and 25 biennium. This bill was introduced on 2 23 This bill passed the Senate 30 0 um, on 3-23-23, the, this bill passed the House 74-21 uh, on 3-1-23. So this is not um, a proposed bill. This bill passed the Senate. So we're going to do something a little different because there is not a fiscal analysis of this bill since it passed. I am going to upload the Excel of the um, fiscal appropriations um, below so just look below and the excel will be attached but this bill has passed and is in law thank you